Welcome back, everyone, to MX Asian American. Today we have Lillian. Uh, do you want to introduce yourself first? Yeah. Hi, my name is Lillian. So I'm Korean American, originally born and raised in Chicago. And I now live in San Francisco. I've been in San Francisco for the last 13 years. And I would consider myself a facilitator of transformation. I've been on quite a journey professionally and personally. And honestly, at the end of the day, as cliche as it sounds, I just help people change their lives and uh, just crush it on everything that they want to do and help them overcome any limiting belief and nonsense bullshit that gets in the way of making the, making it happen for them. Woo-hoo. Can I cuss on this? Can yes, I cuss on go this? ahead. Okay. All my right. episodes okay. are explicit. <laughs> okay, I was going to say, I was like, I have a massive potty mouth, so I just, I forgot to ask you that before we jumped on. <laughs> All right, let's do no, this. No, <laughs> you're fine. So cool. inspiring. Um, so I did like watch a few videos um on your youtube channel um and one about your story and like your beginnings into self-care through fitness quote unquote um can you uh take us into a deeper dive into what your experiences were like and how you got into fitness yeah um as far as my origin quote unquote origin story goes in terms of you know, how I originally got into fitness in the first place, I got into working out and dieting at a very, very young age. I'm talking nine years old. And those thoughts, yeah, it's really, really young. And, and it probably even started before that, but I probably started taking action around the time I was nine years old. Mm. And the reason for that is because I, you know, growing up with, growing up inside of an Asian household, it wasn't so much my direct parents that were hypercritical of me, but it was a lot of stuff that I heard from extended family members. Mm. So like aunts and um, aunts and their husbands. And, you know, I wouldn't even say that they were again, like, I wouldn't say it was my mom or my dad or my grandpa or anything like that. But it was all of these like extended family members that at this point is kind of like a vague memory in my mind. Anyways, it was like, it would be like my grandma's older sister. like <laughs> grand- And it's like, now looking back, it's like, these are people that like, honestly, like, I like don't even know what happened to them, honestly, in, in many ways. Um, because they were so far removed from the family. But the point is, is that it made such an impact on me emotionally and psychologically at such a young age, because I would constantly hear these criticisms from extended family members about how I was too big, Mm. how I was overweight. And now remember, I was already having these thoughts and hearing these things before I was even 10 years old. So at such a very young age, I'm hearing these things like you're unacceptable, your body's too big, your body's too fat, why are you so large, she shouldn't be eating that, she shouldn't have a second bowl of rice, you should watch what she's eating, she's going to end up like Angela. And that was a big thing that I would hear all the time, which was, you're going to end up like Angela, she's going to end up like Angela. Angela is my dad's sister, so that's technically my aunt. But what I later found out, this is some Asian ass shit right here. I didn't even find this out until I was maybe in my early 30s that she wasn't actually even my blood relative. Like she's actually adopted. So so Angela was adopted. Angela was an adopted sibling of my dad's. Yet my entire family would always be like, you're going to end up like Angela. So it was like, this is such a mind fuck at such a young age of how I'm too big, I'm unacceptable. And if I'm not careful, I'm going to end up like Angela because, and the way that they positioned it, 
And the way that they mind fucked me was like, this is your aunt. You're from this DNA. She's your family member. You're going to end up like this person that you come from. So you better get your act together. And so obviously, you know, as I was growing up, I was like terrified. I was like, oh my God, this runs in my family. This, this is my DNA. These are in my genes. These are the things that I would think at a very, very young age, which again, looking back now is just like, oh my God, that's so messed up that I was thinking about these things at such a young age already. And then on top of that, to later find out in my thirties that she was actually not even like, like my blood relative. And, 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 and the problem with that for me is that for many, many years, for decades, I was under this fear that I was doomed to this like genetic disposition of like being this overweight, obese woman because Angela was very, very overweight. So my journey towards quote unquote self-care and taking care of myself and weight loss and dieting and fitness really started at a super, super young age because of the things that my family members said and because I was going to end up like Angela. <laughs> oh my God. Wow. I know, that, right? That is such a mind fuck. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I know. When I found out that Angela was adopted there was like this like sense of relief and anger because I legitimately was holding on to this terror that like, Oh my God, like everyone's telling me that I'm going to end up like Angela. Like I'm going to end up like the aunt. I'm going to end up like the one family member. That's just like totally obese and overweight. And really when I look at my entire you know, journey of my body and the way that, I mean, I was always tall for my age. I was always like, I've probably been this height since I was like in junior high. And I was 100% the kid that was standing in the back in the middle of class photos until like maybe fourth, fifth, sixth grade, which is like absurd because I'm Asian and an Asian girl. So yeah, yeah, I am definitely taller and larger than the average Asian girl, but I thought that I was like obese. Like I thought I was like extremely overweight from a very, very young age. And it just goes to show that what you are told and what you believe 100% reflects how you see yourself. What I saw in the mirror was in alignment with what I thought, not what was actual reality. Mm. If you look at any of my pictures, if you look at any of my pictures growing up, I was never, ever really overweight. Like I definitely went through some like awkward, chunky phases. And I definitely went through some phases where, you know, like I was, oh, like, oh, she's holding a little weight. Oh, she's a little thick right now. But I was never like on the verge of like exploding into obesity the way that my family made me think that I was going to end up if I didn't watch it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think I had a very similar experience um, of, like, negative family. It's, like, very indirect way they talk about body um, and body image and stuff like that. But, yeah, from a very young age, they were, it's, like, throwing shade at family members who maybe are not traditionally pretty or, like, traditionally the way... Um, that Asians are so supposed to be quote unquote. Um, and I also went through like uh, chubby phases, especially in middle school. I was also like the tall, um, the tall kid and it was like always in the back of pictures. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. Um, but I did, I went through a chubby phase in middle school and um, my mom was throwing shade at me about it. 
and that middle school is when I started my fitness journey too um and then I went through um various phases that we can get into later but yeah my 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 sister now she's being I want to say socialized in a way where she's also like afraid of getting fat etc but she's like super skinny and then my brother is oh for context my sister's 14 my brother's 12 my brother is like on the chubby side and my parents keep telling him to not like eat that much and i'm just like he's just a kid (laughs) just let him do what he wants cue up the eating disorder train let's not even oh my god let's not let's yeah 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 let's actually get into that because i mean like that's no it's gonna take forever to talk about um totally I mean, I was 100% dieting and struggled with eating disorders again before I was even 10. Like I literally have memories of dieting and starving myself and doing ridiculous things like only eating one apple a day. And I was literally like not even in junior high yet. Mm -hmm. They're like good foods you can eat. And then these you cannot yeah it's absolutely absurd and then and 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 this is how we end up with all of these eating disorders and misinformation and or information overload and just all the things mm-hmm. it's a hot mess it's a hot yeah mess. and i just want to say that like health is not related to how you look on the outside whatsoever <laughs> no, not at all okay so we should move on um <laughs> <laughs> Through that and um, through growing up, when did you finally realize that this was like very toxic behavior? And when did you find your true way of like um, self-love and caring for yourself? Honestly, I think I went through lots of different ebbs and flows and phases, even during my fitness career, playing sports, all of that. So Obviously, I started dieting and doing all these ridiculous things at a very, very young age. And I started playing sports. So I started hitting the gym. I started getting into way more things like fitness and dieting. And, you know, I I got into like bodybuilding and I got into all these things. I've been through all the phases. I'm like that person. I've been through all the phases. And every time I go get into phases, I go all in. I'm like super hard with it. So intense, hardcore. I'm like so Korean in that way. I, I call it kimchi fire. It's just like, watch out. <laughs> yes, I love that. Yeah, kimchi fire is like out of control. And so I went through a lot of different phases in terms of constantly trying to challenge and push and alter and fix myself. And I would try all these different bodybuilding diets and show diets and, you know, performance diets and all these different things. And really ultimately at the end of the day, if I really look back at all of those phases, I was in all these phases because I was actually never fully comfortable and happy with just being, with just trusting my body, listening to what it needs, taking care of it from a place of literal care and love for myself, for literal regard for my well-being, really thinking about what is it that I want to feel? How do I want to feel? What is it that I really need and why? I was never coming from that place. It was always coming from this place of how can I look better? How can I perform better. It was very externally driven and I never felt like it really came from this place of deep self-inquiry. 
Mm. and really asking myself, what does Lillian really want to feel? What does she really, really need more than anything and why? Never came from that place. So where I started to really ultimately make the turn was, and, and by the way, I just want to say like, even when I was going through different phases, there were different phases where I did love and accept myself, but again, it was conditional. So mm. when I had, when I had my six pack, I was like, super yep. into myself and I was like running I was like totally that bitch in the gym that like ran around in like a matching sports bra and matching booty <laughs> shorts and matching tennis shoes and I was like this like cute little hot fitness thing and I was like totally confident in that phase but once again it was I was confident because of a circumstance mm-hmm. it didn't come from inside first and then my outside reflected that it was my outside that reflected my inside mm. that makes sense and so I would feel great and confident because I looked a certain way, because I was getting certain compliments, because I had a six pack, because I, you know, had blah, 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 blah. And then if I ever felt like I was falling off from that, that's when I would spiral, right? So if I was ever going through like a hard time in my life, if I was going through a breakup or a toxic relationship, and then I would end up not taking care of myself because of these other circumstances in my life, that's when I would get down and out on myself, right? So it was like, it was very inconsistent and very conditional is my point. And so where I really, really made the turn, if I can really jump ahead, is in my mid to late 20s, after a few different life changes, and I moved out to San Francisco, and I was burning myself out, you know, in my fitness industry, I was in this like, shitty relationship, and I didn't know it. I really got to this point where I was like, this can't be it. Like, this can't be it. I'm in my mid to late 20s, I've already had tons of success in my career. I've already accomplished so much in terms of my, you know, physical appearance. I've accomplished so much in my career. I've, you know, gotten all these titles and accolades and recognitions and all this stuff. And I'm like, and this can't be it. And I just had this feeling that it was time for me to quote unquote, work on myself. Mm. And I don't even really know that I knew what that meant at that time. But all I knew, know is that I just felt, I'm like, I need to work on myself. I need to really do some serious self-inquiry. And I don't even know where to start. I don't know why, but I can just feel that I just need to start this process. And part of it was, again, like I said, because I was burning out, I was in this relationship where I wasn't happy. And I was still on this roller coaster of my body just never being consistently like the way that I want it to be, whatever that even means. I just knew that I just never felt content. Like I, I, it was just never consistent. I was always in some kind of phase. And so honestly, the first step that I did was I put myself in therapy. Yes. I hired a therapist. <laughs> yeah. So I got my first therapist probably around 24, 25. And I also did that because I will say it's because I, I started making money. Like I started making like real money to the point where I was like actually like really saving, you know, more than paying my bills. And this is, by the way, this is me living in San Francisco, which is like probably one of the most expensive cities in the world, if not, you know, the nation. And I got to a point where I was making enough money. I was paying all my bills and I was starting to accumulate cash. And I was like, okay, I'm doing all the things. I'm checking off all the boxes. Now what? I'm like, should I like get a new car? Should I like start traveling? Like, what do I do? And that was when I was like, you know what? Like, I really need to invest this in myself. I mm-hmm. need to invest in myself. And I'm so glad that that was where I started. 
And so I feel like in many ways, Lillian 2.0 started at that time. Up until then, it was all about like pushing myself and going after all the things and trying to, you know, prove it to all the people that ever made fun of me or told me that I was fat or whatever, you know, it was all about proving myself and trying to make a name for myself. And it was very like ego driven and externally focused. Mm -hmm. And I started to make the turn once I started what I call doing the work. And so I hired my therapist, started talking about some stuff, realized that I was like really losing myself in this relationship. And then everything started snowballing from there. Mm. After I got my therapist, that's when I then realized, I was like, you know what? I, I've always felt this pull to go and study yoga. So I enrolled myself into what I call yoga school. The combination of me being in therapy, going to yoga school, and I was going to see an acupuncturist every week as well. I just went all in. Like I said, like when I go through phases, I go in. <laughs> Kimchi fire. Yeah. So like, so like I went kimchi fire on myself, like in a whole nother level of like self-development and like self-care. So that's really where it really shifted from me just trying to like lose weight and prove others very externally driven to me wanting to really figure out who I am. I wanted to figure out Lillian. I wanted to know what was inside of me. I wanted to understand my own inner workings. The reason, like, why do I keep thinking this way? Why do I think the way that I do? Why do I want the ways that, why do I want the things that I want? Why do I keep going after the things that I go after? Why do I keep ending in this, these kinds of relationships? Why am I acting this way in this relationship? Why do I keep burning myself out? Why do I even want the things that I want? What do I even want? These are all these questions that started coming up for me in my mid late twenties. So I got a, got a therapist, got an acupuncturist, enrolled myself into yoga school. And that was when my life really, really started clicking for me. And the reason for that, I believe is because I've been in fitness and I've been in my body for so long. And it's been such a way for me to tap into my confidence and my power. But again, it was still inconsistent in feeling my confidence and power. And so there was still a missing link for me. When I enrolled myself into yoga school, everything clicked because I got that missing link, which was understanding how everything is connected. Because yoga actually means to yoke, union. It means to connect. It means to bring together. It means to integrate all of the things. It means to understand that your mind is your body. Your body is your energy. Your energy is your thoughts, your emotions, your spirit, your connection to your community, the collective, the universe, and so forth. So, and by the way, it wasn't like th these are the things that I learned in yoga school alone. <laughs> I just want to make that clear. Like people are going to be like, damn, I should just enroll in yoga school. No, that's not, that's not what I mean. When I enrolled myself in yoga school was the first impetus of like, when I enrolled myself into yoga school, that was when my mind opened up and got exposed to all of these other things. Mm. That's when I got exposed to other ways of looking at things. So once I enrolled myself into yoga school, that's when I learned about chakras and I got really into chakras and I wanted to learn everything on my own about chakras. I started to learn about energy and I wanted to learn more on my own about energy, about spiritual practices, about woo-woo shit. Like that's when I started <laughs> to really get into crystals and astrology and tarot. And it wasn't because 
I learned those things inside of yoga school. Yoga school was what it's started. Just it was the catalyst of all of the other things that I got into after that. Mm-hmm. Wow. Your, your, your journey is just amazing. <laughs> I'm like so inspired right now. <laughs> but, it was incredible, yeah. Yeah, what... I just have a question. Like, what like is yoga school? I'm pretty sure that's like different from just going to yoga classes. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Thank you for asking. That's a great question. So basically I enrolled myself into a yoga teacher training program. Mm. So I looked, I looked all the, I'm really, really big on, I have really, really high standards and I'm like, and I do think that this has something to do with being Asian straight up. Like I feel like, (laughs) we just have like ridiculously high standards and we're like really, you know, cause like we were kind of raised on like, you know, having a certain kind of standard and certain kinds of schools and you have to be perfect in every, yeah. (laughs) And there's like a, there's a certain kind of like pedigree and standard and like, you know, it can't be low quality and blah, blah, blah. So I did a lot of research on different yoga schools and because I was already a very, very uh, well-educated, successful fitness professional and exercise physiologist, because that's what I got my degree in. I got my degree in exercise physiology and kinesiology. Because I was already very well studied in that and very much an expert in that, I didn't want to just go to yoga school to learn poses. Mm. Okay. Like I know how to be in my body. I already know how to do yoga. Like I didn't need to go to yoga school. I didn't want to go to yoga school to learn how to do more yoga or learn the poses or learn the anatomy because that's already my shit. Like I'm like, that's my shit, like anatomy, all that stuff, like the body, like that's my foundation. Like I'm so well experienced and knowledgeable in that area. So I, that's all, all I knew is that that's not, uh, sorry, I'm like totally stuttering here and you'll edit that out. But like, all I knew is that I didn't want to go to yoga school. All I knew is what I didn't want. And so I just kept looking and looking and looking until I knew I found the thing that I was looking for. Mm-hmm. So does that make sense? It's like, I didn't know what kind of yoga school I was looking for, but I knew what I didn't want. And so as I started looking for different programs to become a yoga teacher, I ruled out all of the ones that were more like anatomy and like posture heavy. And then I found this one yoga school that was very much rooted in the philosophy of yoga. Mm. What is yoga philosophy? And I didn't even realize that yoga was rooted in like that. There's the eight limbs of yoga. I didn't even know that that existed. There are eight limbs of yoga and, and it's all about like asana, which is the posture is just one of those limbs. And I had no idea, right? Like yoga, the postures itself, downward facing dog, that's only one limb of eight limbs of yoga. The other limbs are about self-study and energy energy preservation and, you know, and doing the work and coming into your bliss and actualization. There's all these other limbs. And I was like, holy shit, this is what I want to learn. So once I finally found a yoga school that taught all of those things, I enrolled into that because I wanted to learn all of the philosophy and all of the limbs of yoga. So once I enrolled in myself into a teacher training to become a teacher of yoga, but not just a teacher of, not just a teacher of yoga postures, because I've already been teaching movement. I've already been teaching exercise for years prior to that. 
I wanted to learn what actually is yoga mm. at the core of it. So I found a program. I enrolled myself into a 200-hour beginner teacher training program, right? So most yoga teachers, they have a 200-hour certification. To me, I consider that like a bachelor's degree, okay? And then I fell in love with it so much. It helped me understand so much about the mind, body, energy, spirit, how everything is connected, how my mind, how my thoughts affects my body and my mood and my, it just blew my mind. I was like, oh my God, I cannot get enough of this. I'm understanding so much about myself right now. I have to keep going. So then I went and got a 500 hour certification as well. And I consider a 500 hour, like a master's. And so this is like so fucking Asian of me. And then I was like, wait, there's more, there's more. You can become a yoga therapist. Give me that shit. I need to that. So I consider that kind of like getting like a doctor to like a PhD in yoga. So I went and became a yoga therapist as well. So now this is where the integration really started happening for me, not only professionally, but also personally. Mm-hmm. So here I was already a very, very accomplished, super successful exercise physiologist and fitness professional, had an amazing thriving career in fitness. And then I integrated then yoga and became a yoga therapist, which unlocked and opened up the door of all of this transformation work and self-development work and woo-woo madness. <laughs> And that was what kind of now led me down, you know, this integrative path of transformation work, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's wonderful. Um, I was just curious as to um, what your parents thought of your woo-woo shit, as you say, um, yeah. and your family members and your transformation <laughs> to now. <laughs> okay, so... Straight up, like my parents don't even know what I do for a living. <laughs> like because because what I do is so its own thing. Uh-huh. It's not like oh Lily, my daughter, she's an accountant, or like oh Lily, my daughter, <laughs> she's a doctor, or oh uh-huh. Lily, my daughter, uh-huh. she's a, she's a school teacher. They're just like yeah, Lily, she like does her does, own thing. Does something like she helps people. Like they pay her money and like they're happy. <laughs> And so the joke that I would always say is, honestly, my parents have no idea what I do for a living, but they're not tripping anymore at this point because I'm not in jail. I'm not asking for money and I didn't, <laughs> and I didn't get pregnant like out of wedlock, you know? So like, you know, it's, it's like, I, you know, that's what I always think. I'm like, well, I didn't end up in jail. I'm not on the streets and I didn't end up pregnant, you know, before marriage. So I guess since I didn't like fuck up in that way, my parents are like, yeah, whatever. She's fine. Leave her alone. (laughs) You know, like that's just kind of the way that I see it. And so I think, and it's interesting too, because I support my parents now, actually. I started paying for my parents' mortgage a few years ago. Um, You know, my parents obviously are Korean immigrants and they run a little liquor store in the hood outside of Chicago. And, you know, after a few different recessions and, you know, especially the automotive housing crash of like 08, 09, my parents' village, the town that they have their store in really suffered. And because of that, their business suffered. And so for the last few years, I've actually been supporting them and I started paying for their mortgage. And um, I'm proud to say that I actually finished paying off their mortgage this summer. Wow. Oh my God. Yeah. And, um, and And even with that, 
you know, they're like, they still have no idea what I do. Like, <laughs> they're just like, it's fine. Whatever. Yeah, they're like, cool. Like she's obviously doing all right. Like she's supporting us. And like, you know, all, all they, all they know is that like, I help people. Fitness is somewhere in there and some kind of like wellness is in there, but they really have no idea what I do mm-hmm. at all. Like, as a matter of fact, I have a funny story. I, I was on a, I was on a few magazine covers many, many years ago, like back in like 2012. And I sent them to them, right? And I was like, oh, hey, look, like I'm on some covers, you know? (laughs) Oh my God, this is like such a fucked up funny story. I didn't even hear from them. I didn't even hear from them. And I was like, huh, did they get my, did they get the magazines? Like, aren't they going to like call me and just be like, oh, cool. Like, I don't, I didn't expect much from them, but I didn't hear from them at all. So then I finally called my mom and I was like, hey, mom, did you get those magazines? And she was like, oh, yeah. She was like, so like, I don't get it. Like, is there like an article in here about you or something? Like, you know, like, is there like something? And I was like, okay, that's an odd question. Like, I would think that you would just be happy that like, I'm just like on some covers. That's like, so just, Asian. Oh my God. Right? Like, I know, like just, just the, just the visual alone. I would think that they would just be like, oh my God, this is so cool. I don't know what this is, but she's on some covers. How fucking cool is that? Right. But they didn't. Instead, she like started to like question and ask why I sent them to her. And if there was something else that she should be excited about. And I was like, well, I mean, they, you know, mom, like they found, and I like broke it down for her. I was like, yeah, well, you know, this organization was looking for, you know, professionals in the San Francisco area that are like really doing cool things. And they wanted to feature me, blah, 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 blah. So I kind of like told her what it was about. And then she's, and then she's like, "Uh uh-huh. She's listening. And all of a sudden she bursts into tears, not because she's so happy and proud of me, but she's like, so I don't understand. Is this like, is, 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 like, are you ever going to have babies? Like, are you going to like, are you, like, what? Like, like, I don't understand. Like, is, is, is this all you care about? What? This, what? I was like, what the fuck is going on right now? How did we get here? <laughs> Never mind. Forget it. All right, mom, I gotta go. I'll talk to you later. And we hung up. So what is I feel- her train of thought? I don't get this logic. <laughs> exactly. So I think my point of sharing this story is just to like show, first of all, how much my parents have no idea what I do. <laughs> and second of all, like, again, how like Asian my mom is, was even in that moment of like, who cares about all of these other accomplishments? Like, are you going to give me a child? Like, <laughs> you know? And so it's like, one, my parents don't even know what I do for a living. And two, like, even if I am highly successful and like crushing it and like doing all the things, like they still have their standard of mm-hmm. like what they feel is making it or like doing it right. And so for her, like, it just triggered the fact that like, I'm like still like unmarried, which I have a partner of eight years, but like, I have no interest in getting married and I have no interest in having children, but it just goes to show how much, you know, these Asian standards are still like, so, um, like just how much like my mom still views like having children as like this ultimate like success and how, you know, and how it has nothing to do with what I'm actually like for her, like for, for her, at least it was like, like, I don't get it. Magazine covers. What? Like, are you going to, ha- are you going to like give me a grandchild or not? <laughs> That's like, so funny. Oh my God. You yeah. Know, that was a, you, yeah. At some point you just have to let go of their standards and do your own thing. 
And, totally. Uh, yeah. So I know that was a bit of a tangent, but that's basically to answer your question of like, what do your parents think? And it's like, well, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, what do they think? First of all, they don't even really know what I do. And I think they just still think that like, you know, me having a grandchild for them is, is more important. <laughs> Period. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Okay, uh, we're going to wrap up a little bit with um, our next question. So I know you kind of merge like the yoga industry and the fitness industry and spirituality together. I don't want there's like a distinct split between um, yoga and like hardcore fitness and spirituality. And um, how did you like have the foresight to merge them together? Um, and what led you to start your own business? Exactly. Yeah. Thank you for asking that. So as I was coming out of all of my yoga studies and, you know, after I became a yoga therapist and the whole thing, the, the reality is, is I love fitness. I love the body. I love working out. I love how it makes me feel. I love the confidence, the strength, the power that it provides. And at the same time, it's missing so much around mind-body connectivity. It's missing so much, you know, in terms of like the soulfulness and why we're even doing these things in the first place. Like, I just feel like it's just so physically focused mm -hmm. and there's just such a massive disconnect between, you know, your feelings and your energy and your emotions and, you know, taking care of your body is taking care of all of your body, your mind, your heart, your spirit, all those things. And so I really felt like for me to continue only down my fitness path was incomplete because now I have all of this other knowledge, right? Like, it's like, I can't unsee what I've seen. Mm. So I can't, I couldn't just go back to like my fitness identity. I couldn't just go back to my industry. I couldn't just go back to my fitness career with all of this new knowledge. And then on the yoga spiritual side, what I've noticed is that it just sometimes gets a little too woo. It gets a little too esoteric. It gets a little too, um, dare I say, like head in the clouds and a little too much about like, you know, spirit and feelings and energy and this, that, and the other, and not enough of like real tangible, like results and taking action and like really like putting in like that grit and, and you're putting in your accessing your strength and your power. And so I felt like fitness doesn't have enough yoga and yoga doesn't have enough fitness mm. So to simplify to simplify. And so fitness doesn't have enough of what yoga offers and yoga doesn't have enough of what fitness offers. And that's just me 100% simplifying it. And so I was like, I have to merge these two worlds because in the fitness yoga wellness world, it's, it's so compartmentalized. It's so, you know, it's like so compartmentalized. It's like, yep. you're either a yep. fitness person or you're a yoga person or you're a spiritual person. And it's like, where is where is the industry? Where is the person that's just representing all the things? Mm. Where, where is the discipline? Where is the outlet? Where is the practice where you do all of those things? Because all of these things are important. Mm. Not, only, not only is it important to work out, but it's also important to meditate. It's also important to really think about the way that you feel. It's really important to be aware of your thoughts and your energy and your emotions. All of these things integrating and being aware of all of these things is true mastery to me. 
So for me, like I always think, what is it that I really need to fully master myself, to fully unlock my potential, to not settle in any aspect of my life? I need all of these things. And so for me, I'm all about how do we bring all the things that we need every day to access our fullest potential? And so honestly, I was at a loss. I was like, man, this is such a huge undertaking. Like, how am I going to merge all these worlds? I love all these things. I need all of these things. Everybody needs all of these things. How the hell am I going to combine it all without overwhelming people, without going into information overload and without freaking people out and just scaring people away because I just like talked about too many things in one, in one sentence. And so through a lot of trial and error of one, creating my own programs. So I started creating my own group fitness programs where I merged all of the philosophy and the movement and the fitness and the yoga together. I created my own suite of programs. So that's under the so fit umbrella. So under my so fit umbrella are my fitness yoga programs. And then I also started integrating my one-on-one -on -one practice. So I started integrating more coaching and more yoga into my personal training practice. So before my one-on-one -on -one work was only personal training clients, but my personal training started integrating yoga. It started integrating conversations about mind-body connectivity. It started integrating conversations about self-inquiry, reflection, mindset, self-love. It started integrating these things naturally and personal training slowly started to phase out as the primary objective. And it started becoming more holistic people started seeking me for a more holistic approach to self-improvement, self-development, wellness. People started approaching me because they started hearing that, oh, Lillian does this thing where she'll help you get fit while also helping you change your life and break toxic cycles and overcome your fears and really start living your dream life. And then it started shifting more into Lillian will help you not only change your body, but she'll also help you make more money. And she'll also help you uh, manifest your dream job and finally start being in healthy relationships and start literally doing the things that you were impossible, that, that you thought were impossible, like traveling the world while working remotely and manifesting the things that you only dream of. Mm. I just naturally started evolving into becoming a facilitator of transformation by just integrating these conversations, integrating these practices into anybody who was willing to let me help them. Wow. I have so much respect for you for doing this because it's honestly built from the ground up because there's no other model for how to do this because of how compartmentalized the wellness industry is. It's not like one person can learn this many things and rarely do people focus on all of them at once. Yeah. Um, but here you are taking the first step um, and merging all of them at once and getting yeah. people better lives. Yeah. Absolutely. And, it's, and it's been a process. Don't get me wrong. Now, when I first enrolled myself into yoga school, that was 2010. That was 10 years ago. Wow. 
So it's been a journey. And not to mention, I started my fitness career and I started getting into fitness. I mean, like I said, I got into fitness before I was even in junior high. So this has been like 20 years in the making in many ways. And so I don't say that to scare or intimidate people of like, oh my God, it's going to take me 10, 20 years to get to being integration level Lillian. But it's like, no, no, no. It's to actually encourage anybody that's listening to trust your journey, to trust in every moment of your journey. It's all accumulating and integrating for you to become the powerhouse that you're supposed to be. So whatever it is that you're accumulating at 19, at 25, at 28, 32, 40, 45, it's all like you are just constantly just becoming more of who you're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. So where I am now today is a product of the last 20 years accumulated. Me going to yoga school was 2010 and I just slowly integrated over the last 10 years. And now in 2020, I have a very clear visual model, which I call the magic model. I have a very, very clear model of what it is that you work on when you work with me and what we access. So now my thing is when you work with me, I am a facilitator of transformation and I'm going to help you access your magic, Mm -hmm. your magic. Everyone's got their own magic. Everyone's got this untapped potential, amazing capability, ability to manifest and do anything that you want. And you need, and you can do that by accessing your magic. And magic is an acronym for motivation, action, gratitude, integrity, and confidence. Hmm. When you have access to magic, you can do anything. And so my model for accessing that magic integrates all of the things that I've learned, all of the things that I teach my clients. And so it's a five-pronged approach, right? So that first pillar is your biology, health and fitness, breath work, nutrition, all the things from my fitness foundational days. Then the second pillar is programming, mindset, your limiting beliefs, overcoming your fears, reprogramming your thoughts. The third prong is your inner compass, listening to your heart, listening to your soul calling, trusting your truths, trusting your feelings and your needs and believing in your worth and your, and your, and your value because you love yourself and you trust yourself. The fourth component is communication because what I didn't share earlier was along my journey after yoga school, I also became a nonviolent communication facilitator. Mm. So, I also, so I'm also a communication specialist in terms of facilitation and I, I use it to help coach my clients and whatnot. So communication is a huge aspect to uh, success in relationships, getting what you want, asking for what you want, not being able to, not being afraid to speak up. That's the communication pillar. And then the final pillar is really understanding how to trust your intuition and your vision and actually manifest that into the real world. That's where the woo, that where more of the woo-woo comes in, right? Like really understanding that you are a powerful, incredible being that has vision and intuition and you can manifest anything into the world that you, that you are willing to, you know, like actualize and materialize. And so that... Those five elements, those five prongs are the things that I've learned how to integrate over the course of my journey, over the course of my career, professionally and personally. Mm, yeah. Well, that being said, where can folks find you? 
yeah, folks can find me in so many places. You can find me on Instagram at meet Lillian. So that's also my website as well. Meet but you can find me on Instagram at meet Lillian. So I also have a free container. I have a free Facebook group. If you want to just be supported by me and learn from me, there's free resources, there's free trainings in there. I'm always providing value for people who just want to learn and really just have access to my community. I've built an incredible community of people who are just committed to not settling for less. I've mm -hmm. built this incredible community of mostly, actually, there's a lot of Asian Americans. I work with a lot of Asian Americans. I would say my community is mostly Asian American. And they're all, you know, young professionals, anywhere from as young, you know, as 25, all the way up into their 40s and 50s. But you know, it's just this massive, amazing, incredible community of folks that are committed to doing the work, to accessing their full potential, to just really breaking through their shitty negative self-talk and limiting beliefs that holds them back from actually believing that they're capable of doing anything that they want. And, you know, if you want to be part of that community, you know, there's paid programs and there's also free containers for that. So like I said, I have a free Facebook group and my flagship program is called The Breakthrough. So if you're feeling stuck, if you're feeling like, you know, maybe you've gone to therapy, right? So, you know, I started my journey in therapy, but therapy only got me so far, to be real. Therapy only got me so far. At a certain point, I needed to take action. And that was also why I enrolled myself in yoga school. That was why I started actually like, you know, learning these tools and starting to tap into my potential. These are all the things that I teach inside the breakthrough. So the breakthrough is for people who are feeling stuck. Maybe you've already done some therapy and you're still not seeing the needle moving. You're still not seeing those tangible results. You're still not really feeling like you're doing the things that you really want to do. You're still not making those moves that you want to make. That's what my program, The Breakthrough, is for. The Breakthrough is a 16-week program, um, and it's just incredibly life-changing and will just blow your freaking mind. Um, and so that's my paid program. Um, but if you're, you know, if you just want to get to know me and you just want to start getting access to some of my resources, then yeah, holler at me. I'm super responsive to DMs. I'm super responsive. Like you can literally friend request me on Facebook and you can start talking to me right away. There's a messenger inside my website. You can start talking to me right away from there. Like it's me, like it's, it's not my team. Like you can holler at me directly and you can start asking me questions and start learning about how you can start your get journey. Get your mind blown. Yeah, <laughs> get your mind blown. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you so much for this. It's so helpful and inspirational. Um, I needed it today. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. What was, what, was, what was inspirational and helpful for you? I think just seeing other Asian Americans out there who are not afraid to be high achieving and doing their own thing, but also not afraid to realize that they're stuck in one place and need change or need to take action and actually going to do it. Because I'm in a place in my life where I'm also doing a lot of um, self-discovery stuff and trying to be more self-aware and stuff like that. The other day, I took my first step into seeking therapy, so that is um yeah where i am at my journey but very oh. early um yeah. but it's good to know that at the end of the road there is something oh my god yeah it has <laughs> something that i i'll end with this pro tip what i tell all of my clients no matter what it is that you're trying to change or transform 
no matter what it is that you want to move the needle on, you have to first start with acknowledgement and self-awareness. You have to first start by acknowledging that this is something that you want to work on, that this is something that you have a problem with, that this is something that you feel stuck on. You have to first start with acknowledging that you're struggling, that you're suffering, and that you're hurting. You have to first start with that acknowledgement. Without that acknowledgement, nothing's ever going to get done. Mm -hmm. So once you start with that acknowledgement and you build that self-awareness, now you can actually start doing something about it. Mm -hmm. So you got to start with that first step.